God. 
Amen. Is that your desire this morning? Lord, just cover me with your presence. Amen. Amen. You can lock me up in a prison and throw away the
you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. The devil said, but Jesus said, hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve. We have a lot of prayer requests to bring to you this morning. Amen. This change in the weather is causing a lot of issues, but um, a lot of folks sick this morning, but I want to remember Brother Joseph Coleman, Brother Tim Winters, Brother Jeremiah Lay, all sick this morning. also want to remember um, Amos Rissler. He's been admitted to the hospital yesterday. I believe it was a spider bite or a tick bite. They don't know. They're running tests. He's having high fever. Doing some better this morning, but needs prayer. Also, Sister Vicki had to put her off a gym in the Alzheimer unit. Very agitated. Want to pray for peace for him. Also want to remember Sister Vicki and Brother Sherman have to make a decision tomorrow about purchasing a house. Praying for guidance in that situation. Also, Sister Crystal Cutchall asked for prayer for family friends. Seven-month-old baby girl was admitted to the hospital this morning, throwing up blood. Want to remember that need. Also want to remember Zoe Adams. Unspoken prayer request for her this morning, Sister Janice Adams' granddaughter, for that need. Also, in the community of Homer, there was a young boy that was uh, come up missing. They've been searching for him for days. Just ask the Lord to be merciful in that situation. Amen. I know how we'd feel as parents if we was in that situation. Mercy and and uh, just the Lord to help. Whether he's lost in the woods or whatever. God to help bring some closure to that situation. So let's remember those needs. How many would have a need this morning? We'll make it known. That's Brother Aaron if he'd come and open our service and prayer this morning. Amen. Let's just pray together as a believing church body. Let's remember each one of these needs this morning as if it's it's your uncle or your child or, or your brother or your sister. And let's take them before the throne of grace this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm so thankful, Lord, that my name was in your will. And Lord, because of that, it didn't matter how many chains that the devil put on me. It didn't matter how he tried to hold me. It didn't matter how many lies he told me. Because my name was in your will, Father, you said that I could still go free. I'm so thankful, Lord God, for the freedom I have this morning, Lord, to worship you in spirit, to worship you in truth. Lord, I'm thankful for the freedom that's been provided for every one of my brothers and sisters gathered together here this morning, Lord God. We want to tell you thank you, Lord Jesus, that you walked up that path to Calvary, Lord. Lord, you had me on your mind. Lord, you went up there knowing, Lord God, that you had sons and daughters that were bound in chains that were bound by darkness, by sins, by fear, and by unbelief. But, Lord God, you walked up that lonely path. Lord God, you took the beatings that I deserved, Lord God. And because of that today, I can say I'm free, I'm free, I'm free today, Lord Jesus. And I just want to say thank you, Lord God. You are a wonderful Savior, and you are a mighty God. Lord,
Lord, we just ask you today, Lord, that you will have your way in this service. Lord, that you'll have the preeminence, Lord, that you would just move sovereignly, Lord Jesus, up and down the aisles of this congregation. Lord, more importantly, up and down the aisles of our heart. Lord, may we be willing to open every door, Lord Jesus. May we sit before the word today and use it as a mirror to examine ourselves, Lord God. May we open every door and say, Lord, have your way in my life. May I not hold on to anything. May I not be bound by anything, Lord Jesus. But Lord God, set me free of my own ideas. Set me free of my own thoughts and the way I think it should be. Father, we want to be completely surrendered to you today, Lord Jesus. Lord, that's my desire, Lord, that you would have your way in my life. Father, if there's anything, Lord God, in our lives that isn't pleasing to you, Father, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would just speak directly to our hearts today through the word. Lord, anoint the word to go forth in power and demonstration. Lord, for it's the anointing on the word that breaks every fetter. It breaks every chain. There's not a demon in hell that can stand before that today, Lord. Lord, we stand here today, Father, and we claim victory over every situation, over every sickness, over every spirit of fear, every spirit of depression, every spirit of anxiety that would try to hold the people. We speak directly to you today, and we tell you you are a defeated foe. You cannot stay, for we serve a living God who has manifested himself time and time again. And once again, he has risen to the occasion as the mighty conqueror. He will not be defeated. Defeated, but we will rise in victory today in the name of Jesus. And Lord God, we ask you to come, Lord God, and manifest yourself as a living God today, Father. Lord God, for we're a needy people, Lord. We recognize our need of you, Lord. And we say, Lord Jesus, we know that you are the only one with the answers. We know you are the only one that can provide every one of our needs. And Lord God, you provided it, Lord God, before the foundation of the world. You knew every heart that would be here and every need that would be in their life, Father. Lord, and you provided, Lord Jesus, for you are our provider. Lord, for every sickness that was read across this desk, Lord God, you took stripes for those sicknesses. Lord, I pray on the wings of this prayer, even now that you would go forth to each and every one. Lord, our brother Amos there in the hospital, the little seven-month-old child there in the hospital, the ones with sinus infections. It doesn't matter the name we give the enemy. It doesn't matter the name we give to that devil. The devil has already been conquered. The stripes you took have already provided freedom and victory over that sickness, and we claim victory over it today, Lord. Lord God, for the little child that's missing, Father, my heart goes out, Lord, to those parents. Lord God, I just pray, Lord, that you be merciful, Lord God, and you'll lead the people that are searching for him right to his location. Lord God, right to where he's at, Lord God, I believe you can do that today, Father. Lord, we just ask, Lord God, that you be merciful in that situation today, Lord. Lord, we turn our attention this morning, Lord God, Lord, to this service right now. Father God, I don't believe it's by happenstance that we're gathered here today. But, Lord God, it's a predestinated moment, Lord God. And I pray that we as sons and daughters of God will recognize it and step into the moment. May we play the man today. May we step into the part that you would have for us to play. May we not be guilty of hindering the service. Lord God, may we not be guilty of sitting down on the word of God. May we not put you over in the corner somewhere with dirty feet. But, Lord God, I came to lift up the name of Jesus. I came to proclaim that it's the name above all names. I came to worship you today, Lord God. Lord, and I pray that each and every one of us will get in one mind and one accord today, Lord. And, Lord, you will have your way. Lord God, we thank you, Lord God, as we already recognize your presence here amongst us. Lord, we thank you. We just ask you, Lord God, that all things would please you today, that the worship would be acceptable in your sight, Father. Lord, I pray that you bless the tithes and the offerings, Lord, that they'll go to their intended purpose, Father. Lord God, and that all we do today will bring glory to your name. In Jesus' precious name we pray, Lord. Amen.
want you to turn around and shake one of his hands. Welcome each other to the house of the Lord. Amen. We have quite a few guests with us this morning. Amen. Part of the family of God. We have a, a whole church. They're from over in the Shreveport area, Brother Vincent there. And I want to make sure that we welcome them this morning. God bless you. Thank you for coming and being with us. Amen. Brother Johnny here with us this morning. God bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 And also this morning we have a have a testimony among us, Brother William Roncaller. He's come back and give his heart to the Lord. And what a wonderful time that is. Amen. Got a lot to rejoice about, a lot to thank God for. Amen. What a mighty God we serve. Amen. Ask the brothers they would to take up the offering this morning. Amen. Let's just sing that song. I've been to the water and I've been baptized. I've been changed. Amen. You can't help but come into his presence and be changed. Amen. Let's just worship him. Well, I've been to the water and I've been
just want to also make mention, we had just a wonderful, wonderful youth service last night. Brother Joe just did a tremendous job ministering to our young people and just see the Lord moving upon them. Amen. One of the young men, uh, Brother Brandon, come up at the end of it and called all the young people forward and said, now let's fight for those that have left. And they begin to gather around and pray for those that have come, went out. And he said, we're believing for them to come back. And that's how we fight, amen, it's through prayer and asking God to fulfill what he promised he would do, amen. And I'm just looking for my answered prayers, amen. We'll let you be seated. Well, Sister Sadie, if she'd come and bring her song this morning, right after she's through, we ask Sister Courtney to sing hers, amen.
mountains to have a difficult situation. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to sing this chorus message and Jessica to come this morning. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel His mighty power and His grace. I can feel the brush of angels' wings. I see
magnify that champion. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You say, well, I'm sick. He's undefeated. My child's out there. He's undefeated. He's an all-time. Undisputed. Undefeated. I've never seen him come into battle that he didn't go out packing the victory. What a victorious Christ we have. Hallelujah. 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 Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise our God. Hallelujah. 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 What a mighty God we serve. Amen. I want to just take just a moment. I believe this is appropriate. Play the video of last night of those young people. I believe it inspire your heart because they're praying for some of your own children, some of your own family. Amen. And it just was nothing that we asked them to do. They just spontaneously begin to call upon the Lord. And he said, when they shall call upon me, they shall hear from me. Amen. And so we're going to play that right quick just for a moment.
believe he's a God who answers prayer. I believe he's a God who answers prayer. Hallelujah. It's what happens when people start believing that God answers prayer. Amen. Satan, be careful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There ain't a hold strong enough. There ain't a drug strong enough. There ain't a power strong enough. Hallelujah. This God is more than able for any situation. I would just go to believe in him right now, no matter what it is. You're strong enough, God. You're able. And I believe you do, that your word, will, you will perform exactly what you said you would do. And we are not leaving a hoof behind. Hallelujah. It's complete deliverance, complete freedom. Hallelujah. Let's just sing this as we get ready for the word this morning. The splendor of the King, clothed in majesty. Let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light. Oh, yeah, darkness tries to hide. And trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. How great.
Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're great. There's none like you, Lord. Amen. And we've been said of him before we come. Amen. That he is the roses sharing the lily of the valley, the bright and the morning star. And he's our Lord this morning. And we're here to worship him and to give him praise and glory and honor. Amen. God bless you. Amen. We're going to let you have your seats. So good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. And have this privilege of serving him. And amen. Good to have everyone that is here with us today to share in this moment together. Amen. We're especially glad to have uh, Brother Vincent and those that are with him. Amen. Coming over from Shreveport today. I wonder if all of them would stand. Would all of you that would stand, they come from over that way. With Brother Vincent, you're with us. <laughs> Amen. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. And we just welcome you in the name of the Lord. God bless you, Brother Johnny. Amen. Come up here and give me a hug. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. God bless you, my friend. Amen. Good to have you today with us. Amen. Amen. Brother Vincent, so nice to have you here with us too. And amen. And each one that has assembled together with us, we have gathered in his name. Amen. And my, we have been so blessed. I wanted to say that we had a wonderful youth camp over Easter. I, I don't know, we didn't count them all, but we had a building full that holds about 900 people and, and uh, you know, just couldn't hardly get everybody, almost couldn't hardly get everybody in there using up every chair we had. And, and um, we had uh, over, over uh, right at about 500 that was registered sleeping on the campgrounds and others coming in from elsewhere. And... Um, Baptized 21 in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Many of them, many others going back to their homes to be baptized also in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, you know, some might have thought, you know, that a youth camp is just a little emotional meeting. And, you know, I, I, I tell you, those young people, they do get emotional. And they get excited about serving the Lord. And. And um, I, I, I hope that rubs off on some of you, amen, that you also can enjoy your salvation, amen. I tell you, um, like, like one old brother said, it's better felt than felt, <laughs> amen. But it's so, you know, we, we just see them um, responding from the very first service, the Holy Spirit is moving and, and uh, just coming in a great way. We actually had them, uh, many of them, that uh, from the very first service, you know, they're traveling all the way from Michigan, Canada, all the way down um, to, to southern Louisiana there, and some of them have been traveling for many hours to, to get there, some all through the night, coming from, you know, the, from the East Coast and from the West, and, and uh, to be in the meetings. So some of them have traveled all night long to be there on Thursday. You'd think they was just wore out and tired from, from uh, all the travel that they couldn't come with expectation. No, the expectation was so great from the very first service. 
And uh, in fact, the matter is, um, uh, I, I don't believe I've seen a youth camp exactly like this one. We've had great meetings, many great meetings, and I don't, I don't say that it that this one exceeded any of the others. It just was, it, of course, to us is fresher than the others, is further is closer in our memory, and we remember this one the best. But you know, I, as I watched them you know, uh, Thursday night, as I said, weary, tired, and everything else, just. Um, form a line there was about 10 of them just um uh was there in a line and 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 brother danny had preached that night brother danny steeman and so he was praying and another brother and finally we had to get other ministers because you know just when one come another would step in their place and get that one prayed for another one come and so we finally had to divide it in about three teams and and of ministers um that uh, and then you know having a deacon send them to each one of the there because and then we were still there an hour and a half praying for the young people well that was thursday night and then friday night a tremendous um, move of the holy spirit an altar call and uh, saturday uh, I, and i just have to tell you our young people ministered to the young people there by the way of a skit it was more than a skit it was a ministry and uh, the Holy Spirit fell in that place and, uh, you know, just um, came and upon our young people, anointed them to be able to share um, the passion of Christ and, and what, uh, what he did to pay for us and uh, the, the, tremendous, the tremendous strain that he went under to, to pay the price. A lot of times we talk about Calvary and we talk about, oh, he died for me, but we don't realize all the things he went through, that he could be wounded for your transgressions, that he could be bruised for your iniquity. And remember, it, you know, it wasn't because that, um, uh, it, that it was for his sins because he had no sin, but it was for the sins of the whole world. Amen. The Bible said God poured out upon him the iniquity of us all. And can you imagine a sinless one having to bear everybody's sin? From the wickedest murder to the horriblest rapist. You know, yet he bore that sin and paid the price of redemption so that you could go free this morning. And just to see that and, and then, you know, the Holy Spirit fell and, um, uh, and, and um, again, the altars were full and and all the way up for two two hours, just praying through, uh, young people just giving their hearts to God, and then um, we had the prayer line Saturday night, and you know some people want to think, well, that was just an emotional workup. Well, I'll just tell you, before we many times before we prayed the first prayer, they were already, you know, moved by the Holy Spirit. And when I would anoint them with oil, just that moment there, the Holy Spirit would strike them. And, and then, you know, the, actually, it come to such a point that, um, you know, the brothers, that, the ministers that was at the end of the line, we formed two lines for them to go through, and the ministers at the end of the line didn't get to pray for very many because by the time they got about three or four ministers deep, while well, they was already, you know, having to, be, having to be carried off the platform. Amen. The Holy Spirit just dealing with them. And then Sunday morning... We had an Easter sunrise service, and um, that would begin at 7 o'clock, and 
our brother Andrew Glover ministered that morning. And um, after it was, the ministry was over, I had another prayer line form. And we were still praying for young people for the next hour or so. And had to divide it up in teams again to get, a, get them all prayed for. So, you know, the Lord was just really dealing with hearts and lives. And I believe we're living in a great hour. And you say, well, that's just emotions, Brother Tim. You just stirred up their emotions. Well, let me just share with you what Brother Branham said in the calling of Abraham. He said, here some time ago, I was talking to a fine doctor who belonged to the same church that I belonged to. And he said, Billy, you know what? I was at your meeting and said, I appreciated all that was done. But he said, let me ask you something, Billy. Isn't it? Isn't it going to be long till you're just going to be a holy roller? And I said, well, what do you mean, doctor? He said, because them people are just emotional. And I said, well, according to science, anything that hasn't got emotion is dead. Then if your religion hasn't got a little emotion about it, you better bury it. I said, it's dead. And this doctor said, now, Billy, he said, now, don't you know you just are getting those people excited. You go to preaching, and they get excited, and that's what makes them holler amen and cry. He said, well, now, doctor, I want to ask you something. You know, there can't be nothing excite them just sitting there normally. There has to be something excite that nerve. You can't just be walking down the alley, and if you're not scared, you're not scared if you're scared. If you get scared, something excites you. Certainly it is. And I said, sure, in one sense, they're excited. But what's the emotion excited about? I said, just like you getting scared, something has to scare you. And something has to excite those people. And what it is, it's the Holy Spirit near them taking the Word of God and giving them eternal life. And it's excitable. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I am thankful to be a part of a people that can still get excited about the things of God. And and it isn't how much you jump, but and how high you jump. You know, but it's how it's how high you live after you jump. Amen. We want our experience to match God's word. Amen. And so to produce a life in us. A lot of times, you know, some people do get confused. They think, you know, um, like one old Pentecostal brother said, well, if you don't have joy, well, just jump for joy. You know, the lame man jumped for joy in the Bible. He said, if you don't have joy, well, just jump for joy. Well, I tell you, you can jump all you want to and not have any joy. Right? Amen. But if something happens to you, like the lame man, he was healed. Amen. The power of God took over him and straightened out his body and made him to walk again. It gave him something to rejoice about. And when the Holy Ghost comes down upon your life, it'll give you something to rejoice about. (coughs) No, the Holy Ghost is not emotion. But it has emotion with it. Amen. It is not sensation, but it is sensational. Amen. 
You can't have deity come live down in the heart and it not do something to you. Amen. When God comes, something happens. Amen. Let's stand to, together and let's just sing a song here before we go into the Word this morning. Amen. I, I want to sing, um, let's sing a verse and a course of how great thou art just a moment as we just worship the Lord and thank Him for what He's doing among us. Amen. Thank you, Brother Joe, for your ministry last night to the young people. Thank you, young people, and you parents that support that. It's very important. It's very important. We live in a horrible age in an awful time. But in the midst of all of that, God's raising up a people, a bride for his namesake. Oh, Lord, my God. When I'm in awesome wonder, consider all the worlds thine hands have made. Oh, yes, I see the stars. I hear.
bow before your throne of grace today. We want to thank you for this opportunity to serve. Lord, we bless your name because you are worthy. We thank you, Lord, because you called us out of darkness into a marvelous light. Lord, you picked us up out of the miry clay and you set our feet upon the rock of revelation of who you are. And you have brought forth a church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. And we stand today in this evil age as a people holding forth truth in righteousness. Lord, we want to thank you for every one of us, Lord. We want to thank you for every man, woman, boy, girl in this church. We want to thank you for our brother Benson and his church and those that are trying to hold forth the word of life there in Shreveport area. Lord, we want to thank you for little bride around the world, wherever they are. And I just pray, God, that you'll anoint them from on high today. May they know the never-failing presence of Jesus Christ is with us and with them everywhere they go. Lord, may you rise today with healing in your wings. Lord, bringing, as it were, the, the rays of the Son of God, the light shining from his brow to us today to bring light in a time of darkness and hope in a time of need. I pray, Lord, that today that you'll lift up every weary hand that hangs down, every feeble one, Lord, and cause them to be able to praise the name of the Lord our God. I pray, Lord, today would be the day that you'd open up the eyes of the blind, that we can see the precious word of God and the promises that are given for this hour. I pray, Lord, you'll give hearing to the ears of the hearer and faith to the faithless one. Lord, may, oh God, you impart even to us your faith today that we live by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave his life for us. I pray that you'll anoint us from on high. We're your children today, and we gather in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Revelation chapter 3 and the 14th verse is where we'll take our scripture reading from this morning. Revelation chapter 3, and it'll be from the 14th verse that we'll begin. We're going to read about the last age, our age that we're living in. Verse 14, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write. Now let's just notice something as we're reading. And remember, this word angel is the word in the Greek angelos. It means messenger. So it says to the messenger of the church. Now, it would use the same Greek word when he would speak of John the Baptist and say, Behold, I send my messenger or my angelos before my face. So notice again to the angel of the church of Laodiceans, write. There's no need to write a letter to a heavenly angel. Amen. So this is a letter that is written to an earthly messenger. Amen. I believe that we have, we have seen and heard that messenger and his message. 
Amen. And unto the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. And because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich, white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. And as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am sat down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And we'll read from the next verse, verse 1 of chapter 4. After this, this is at the end of the Laodicean age when it ends, I looked and behold a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither and I will show you things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. Amen. God bless you. You can't be seated. We're going to be speaking today on the voice. If we can at least get to that portion today in this sermon. If not, we'll try it again another service. Amen. But um, as we are here today, I, I just want to, for us to take notice uh, once more again that we are here in the last age, little children. This is the age of his coming. At the end of the seventh age, as we read, a door is opened in heaven an entrance is made, and, and John, who is symbolic of the redeemed sons, is called by a trumpet and is raptured up before the throne. This is really amazing because it actually prophesies that at this last age that there will be a people that are, that are called up by the trumpet, amen, to ascend into the realms of the heavenlies that leaves this earthbound dimensions. Now, of course, what, what opened the door to the rapture? It, 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 what opens the door to the rapture is the last message to the last age opens up the way for his coming. The last message is to prepare a people for heaven's opening to receive them. And the rapture is promised specifically to this age because it is promised to the overcomers who will be caught up to the very throne of God. You notice the reward of this age for overcoming 
is to sit on the throne. Amen. That's a great reward to look at. Amen. Well, you know, Jesus ran his race looking toward the reward. And you know what his reward was? It was you. Amen. So because, so he endured the shame and he ran the race. He, he, he wouldn't give up because of the reward that he would receive. And that reward is you. Amen. That he would get a bride without spot or wrinkle or blemish. And this is why he would leave all of heaven and run the, an earthly race was to get a bride that would match him, that would be bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. But we are here as overcomers and we're fighting the last battle and, and our reward is him. Amen. And just as his reward is a bride, Amen. Your reward is to sit on the throne with him. Amen. To be crowned in glory and honor with him. To rule and reign. But I'm glad to report that our reign is not just in the heavens. But our reign is right here in the earth. Where that we can reign over sin. And we can reign over darkness. And we can reign over the evil of this world. Amen, that he has made you more than a conqueror. Amen. Now, we would look up at Jesus' first coming. And Jesus' first coming would be begin with an angelic visitation. Heavens would open, and an angel would actually step forth and, and appear to Zechariah and would announce that he was sending a man-child whose name would be called John. And who would go forth in the spirit and the power of Elijah. Now the coming, that coming was not a 24-hour event. It, it transpired over years and it ended with the rejection and the crucifixion and the resurrection and a rapture. That's how Jesus' first coming began. It began with Elijah, but it ended with the rejection and crucifixion and re resurrection, and a rapture. Amen. Now, the rejection of the Messiah, it actually wrest the covenant out of God, out of the hands of the Jews, and placed it over in the hands of the Gentiles. And John would be the last messenger and, and last prophet before the Messiah came. And we look at the parallel today. The second coming starts with an angelic visitation announcing that God was sending his last messenger before his face. This would be a dispensational change. Amen. It would transpire over years. And it would begin with God sending Elijah. And it would end with rejection and crucifixion of fresh of the very message and word of God. And, but it would also have there in its ending a resurrection and a rapture. Amen. And the rejection of Christ in this Laodicean age rests the covenant of God out of the hands of the Gentiles and places it back in the hands of the Jews again. The 144,000 to finish up the book of redemption. Now we read about Laodicea. Laodicea is a wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked 
That's her description. Then it states this about the age that it is a Christ rejection age. You see, for he is not on the inside of the church. Did you notice he was not in the church? He was outside of the church. And he was knocking, asking to gain entrance. Amen. He said, Behold, I stand at the door of Laodicea and knock. Amen. That means he's on the outside. Amen. And he was asking to gain entrance. He was asking to come in. He was asking to come and share with him the bread of life and the wine of revelation. Are you with me? Amen. So he said, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if any man, amen, there's where it turns around to you as an individual this morning. Amen, that's where it turns around from where the church world let them do what they want to. Let the churches do what they want to. Amen, but it's back to you, the individual. If any man, if you this morning will open the door, I will come in and I will sup with you and you with me. Hallelujah. Amen. But now I want you to notice he is pushed out. He is pushed out by lukewarmness and worldliness and indifference. I'd like to share with you some things as Brother Branham looked at this as he preached on the Laodicean church in the church age series as he ministered into him in December 1960, some 58 years ago almost, and he said, this is one of the most outstanding statements I've ever seen in the New Testament. Now, just think about it. It's your age, and he sees one of the most outstanding things that he's ever seen. He said, I want you to notice I stand at the door and knock. Now, this is generally used a quotation for an appeal to sinners. Is that right? We tell sinners, Jesus is at, at the door knocking. But he said he's there knocking at the church door. Amen. Now, we can see him knocking at a sinner's door. Amen. But knock on the church door. That means he ain't in there. Amen. That something there has caused him to be grieved away from them. Something has kept him out of their midst. Something has not allowed him entrance. Notice as he said, he's knocking at the church door, for he once walked with them. But they, with their organization and worldliness and coldness, had excluded him. He's on the outside of the church. Now remember, in the first of the church ages, he was walking among the seven golden candlesticks, the seven church ages. And in the end here, we find him outside of what church? The Laodicean church. Outside, they had excluded him. While he was still was standing on the outside trying to get back in. What a pitiful picture. The Savior of the world standing on the outside of the church that he bought with his own blood. Shame on them. Oh, my. I don't say that, just that, but shame on any church. 
that Jesus isn't welcome. Amen. That Jesus has been excluded from the worship. Oh, they may sing about him. They may talk about him. They may be preaching sermons about him. But he ain't there. I stand at the door and knock. After, after being pushed out, ousted, then trying to get back in, crawls back and knocks at the door. This is the most striking record in the New Testament. I think there's nothing could be more sadder than this. To see the Savior of the world took out of his own church, the Laodicean age. After he done told them what they did, their richness, everything that they were, how they were lukewarm, and so forth, he didn't have to spew them out. They had spewed him out. And here's, here, was what, here was all of that still knocking at the door, trying to get back in. What for? To give them eternal life. Amen. The very ones that had killed him at Calvary, he was trying to save their soul. It's the most pathetic picture I've ever seen in my life or ever thought of. I want you to notice how Brother Branham was so gripped by that. It ought to grip our hearts too. Amen. To be able to look in the scripture and say, the Laodicean church, he's been rejected. Now listen, I'm not saying that. The Bible said that. Amen. This is the condition of the last age. It is a Christ-rejecting age and a Christ-rejecting church. Amen. Excluded, excluded. What was he excluded from? Listen, friend, if this isn't striking, get a picture of it. Let it sink down in your heart. Oh, Savior, when he was here, our Savior, when he was here on the earth and he was excluded from his own nation, he was rejected. He was excluded. The world excluded him and crucified him. And now from his own church, he's excluded. He isn't wanted anywhere. They have no need of him. They got a denomination. They didn't need him. They got a pope. What need do they have of him anymore? They got archbishop, a general overseer. They have no use for the Holy Ghost anymore. They don't need that anymore, Christ the Holy Spirit. They don't need him. Oh, I don't believe they just up and throwed him out because they hadn't missed him. Amen. He said, I don't think they just up and threw him out. He said, he just wasn't there anymore. And they hadn't noticed. Isn't it something that a church can get so involved with this program? Amen. With a religious service. With going through the motions and going through the actions that Christ ain't even there in their midst. And they didn't notice. He wasn't there. Hmm. They hadn't missed him. They hadn't missed him because they were still singing songs to him. The preacher was still talking about him. So they hadn't missed him. But their own worldliness and their organizations, organizing, saying the days of miracles is past. There's no such thing as this and that. Amen. Oh. Notice what he said. They're saying all of that's past. 
Amen. You see, you see, they, they had a consolation in their own selves. Well, we don't need miracles anymore. We don't need healing anymore. We don't need the Holy Ghost. We don't want this emotion. We don't want people to get shouting and happy and rejoicing in the Spirit of God. We, we don't need lives changed. We just need people to be religious. And he says, I ask you ever revival that ever come in you historians now down through these ages, these churches, every revival that ever come, it was always brought outside of organization. I want to ask you, where was John? He was crying in the wilderness. Amen. Where did Brother Branham have to go? He had to go outside denomination. That's where this Elijah had to go because they wouldn't have him. Amen. They didn't want him. Now, the same thing, he said, any man that ever started a revival was outside of organization. And every time a revival started, they had signs and miracles of speaking in tongues and healings and so forth like that taking place. As soon as that founder died, they organized it, made an organization out of it, and went right, right dead. And God never fooled with it anymore. That's exactly right. And here he is at this last church age standing outside the door, God Almighty. That breaks my heart to think that. My Lord standing outside of his own church after being pushed out by worldliness and coldness and denominations and indifference, standing outside that door knocking, trying to get back in. He said, when I thought about that while ago, I just leaned over my table and started crying. And then his mind went back to a scripture in the Bible where Jesus was invited to a feast. Amen. Where Simon the Pharisees invited him to come. Amen. But didn't make him welcome. I wonder if that ain't the case in many places around the world today. They invite him to come. They pray fancy prayers. They sing songs for him, but they don't make him welcome. He said Jesus was sitting there in that old Pharisee's house. Nobody had paid any attention to him, and he had dirty feet. They didn't, they didn't meet him at the door and wash his feet and anoint him, take the manure and stuff that he'd been walking in. The gar his garment sweeping around brought that old stink of the road where horses and things had traveled and got that stink on them. They'd always wash the feet. That was a custom. And a foot washed flunky stayed at the door. And when a, a man come, they would wash his feet and reach up there and get a little pair of sandals that fit him and put it on him. And they'd anoint his head and make him smell good. And the burn in his neck from the rays of the sun combed back his hair. And then he was presentable to go in. But when Jesus came to Pharisee's house, to Simon's house, he was unwelcome. Oh, been invited. They wanted him there for entertainment. And I wonder today, do churches just want Jesus for name only? Well, we belong to Jesus. 
So we're, we're in the in crowd. We belong to Jesus. But I wonder, can Jesus have his way? Amen. Can the word have preeminence? Can the word come into a service and change a life? Set men and women free and on fire for God. Amen. And make them more than a bench warmer, but somebody on fire in the presence of the Almighty God. But Jesus come to this feast just like he'd come to the, the Pentecostal feast here. Somebody had missed him. They were so interested in their affairs, the bishops and so forth that was there. And Jesus, Jesus was invited, but nobody washed his feet. And there he was sitting over in the corner. They hardly knew he was there with his feet stinking, dirt all over him, dusty. Amen. And there that poor old harlot down the street come by and she only had a little bit of money in the sack. And she looked over there and she saw Jesus with dirty feet. Amen. Sometimes harlots and prostitutes, amen, think more about him. Amen. And his need to be worshipped and honored and praised than what church members do. That it becomes so moss back. They forgot how to worship. They forgot how to praise. They forgot how to sing the songs of glory. They forgot how to believe. They forgot he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The bishops all around them, they asked him out. They invited him to come. And he said, we invite him to come to our meetings. But then we come, when we come, we're ashamed of him. Oh, I wouldn't, st I wouldn't stay up and say, praise the Lord. Oh, no, they're, they're sets of Joneses. They'd think I was a holy roller, you hypocrite. That's right, I'm afraid I'd speak in tongues, and they'd call me a tongues man. You miserable wretch. I wonder what Brother Brandon would call a lot of these backslidden message churches. They done forgot. They done forgot that they are to be a book of Acts church. Amen. That they're to have the same Pentecostal experience that they had in Acts 2 and 4. I wonder what he would say. Bunch of miserable wretches. This little prostitute, you know, there, she began to see. She saw he had a need. She went and got her little box of money and went and purchased the ointment. Amen. To come and anoint him. Amen. Said, he'll know where I got this money. He'll know why I got it. But that, that's the only thing I got. Amen. You know, Jesus don't care how you come to him. Just so you come. Amen. Now you can't come and still be a harlot. And still be a prostitute or still be a drunkard or a druggie. Amen. When you come in the presence of Jesus, you ever really get in his presence, there's going to be a change. Hallelujah. Where he can say to you like he did the prostitute. And to you I say. To you I say. 
Your sins, which are many, are all washed away. Lord of God, I'm glad I heard him say those words to me. Hallelujah. You see, she got the ointment and came up. She thought, oh, if I could just see him. I don't know how she got there, he would say, but she got there. And you know, that's the whole thing. Amen. That's the whole thing. It doesn't matter how you get there, just get there. If you have to boo-hoo and snot and cry, just get there. Amen. If you have to repent and get rid of your old friends and, and all the sins around you, do whatever you got to do, but just get there. You want to hear those words, your sins, which were many, are all washed away, forgiven. You see, they didn't make him welcome, so she took her alabaster box and broke it on his feet and began to wash his feet. And he said, they didn't recognize it, but what beautiful water to wash his feet with. The tears from her eyes. I think a lot of times in churches we forgot how to wash his feet with tears. We forgot. We forgot. We, we want everything in a sanctimonious, Phariseeic way. Amen. We don't want no, you know, I, I've even heard message preachers say, we don't want nobody snotting and crying around our altar. To the point they even took the altars up and put them in the basement somewhere. We don't want that anymore. And what happened? They put Jesus out. And then they wonder why sin has creeped in their midst. You wonder why the church is cold and formal and starchy and there's no healing and no deliverance. It's because Jesus ain't there anymore. Said Jesus with dirty feet and nobody's paying any attention to him. I'm just sharing you the Laodicean message. And today he packs a dirty name as Holy Roller. Or something like that. And man, they got the gall to stand up for him. Amen. This consecrated cross I'll bear till death shall set me free. I'll take the way with the Lord's despised few. I started it with Jesus. So Lord, you take me through. No matter what it costs. Have for do. Like Jacob, a pillar for a stone. What difference does it make what he did for me? And this poor little prostitute. They're crying, weeping. First thing you know, here stood Simon, the big guy that got him to come up. <clears throat> yeah, it shows he's not no prophet. He'd know what kind of woman that was. Hypocrite. Amen. Jesus knows what kind of person you are. But he said, come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Amen. He doesn't reject you. Amen. He accepts you. Not so you can stay in your condition, but so he can change you. A lot of people won't accept Jesus as long as they can remain the same old dirty person they always were. 
But this Jesus will never leave a person the way he found them. He comes to take the lowest prostitute and lift her up to be a lady and a sister. He takes the thief and elevates him and raises him up to be a child of God. Amen. No matter what the condition is. Hallelujah. He knows how. He knows how to take you and save you. Save you. Notice, save you. Not leave you drowning in your sins. <coughs> in the Laodicean age, he said when she got to him, Jesus never moved a foot. Never moved his feet. He just sat and looked at her and watched her. Said, oh, like, I, I like that. It's not the big things we do. It's the little things we leave undone sometimes. And he watched her. Just sat there and watched her. Nobody was paying attention to him. Finally, in there crying, washing his feet, kind of paid attention to it. Got the attraction of the people. He just watched her. Never said a word. And old Simon said him back there, <clears throat> you see whether or not he's a prophet or not, don't you? I told you, told you. If he was a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman that was. You see, we're the great church. You see, we, we know so. We, we know he's not a prophet. He, he'd have known it. And after he got through them tears of repentance running down her face and washed Jesus' feet and anointed him, said, I believe he felt a little refreshed. You know, sometimes we're all looking for this great refreshing. But I wonder sometimes if it isn't our part to refresh him. Amen. That he go when he leaves evening like tabernacle. He leaves refreshed. Amen. Oh, there's a bunch of people that believe me. There's a bunch of people that have faith. There are a bunch of people that trust me. Hallelujah, that it causes him to be refreshed. That ought to be our goal, not to come be blessed. Well, I tell you, the preaching would have blessed me, but he went too long. And I tell you, the song service would have blessed me, but he sang the same song he did last week. Well, you dummy, we wasn't even here last week. Amen. But you see what I'm talking about. Here, here it is. You know, it comes right on down. Amen. That, that we, we want to be blessed. Amen. We, we sit back in our churches like this. Praise the Lord, Brother Tim. You're going to have to do a little better than that to bless us today. This ain't about refreshing you. It ain't about entertaining you. It ain't about even making you happy. It's making the King of Glory feel welcome among us. Hallelujah. That's what it's about. We ought to do everything we can to make him feel welcome. Amen. I sing to make him feel welcome. I raise my hand to make him feel welcome. I'm inviting him to make him feel welcome. I want him. Because without him, we're just another morgue. 
Jesus sitting there, nobody paying attention, critical. Why, that old bunch of worked up emotion on that little girl. Could you ever see such a thing? That, that young person there crying and going on and weeping and patting his foot and kissing it and all of that. I'll tell you what, it's time you get rid of some of your old Pharisee ways. Amen. Some of you old self-starchiness. Amen. That we come back with an old St. Paul's revival and the moving of the Holy Ghost where the building would shake under the power of God and men and women would be filled again and again and again with the Holy Ghost. He looked down there. Look back over to Simon. And he says, Simon, I got something to say to you. You invited me, and you never met me at the door. You didn't give me any water to wash my feet with. What kind of water are you going to wash his feet with? You ain't going to get it out of a tap. You're not going to get it out of a faucet. It's going to come from your eyes. Come on, it's going to come with tears of repentance. It's going to come with tears of even joy. It's going to come there with, 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 with the Holy Spirit moving in your life. Amen. And you making him welcome by your attitude, by the spirit that you meet together in. He said, Simon, you never anointed my head when I come in. Take the parts of the sun off of me. You never kiss me welcome. But this poor woman, this prostitute, this outsider, had no water to wash my feet with. She washed them with her tears. She had nothing, she had nothing to wipe them off with. So she took her hair and wiped them. She continually kiss my feet and I want to say to you her sins which are many are forgiven her that's right nothing said about his your sins amen to the woman your sins he never pardoned Simon he pardoned her because she came in the spirit of recognizing him of making him welcome and giving a voice to repentance no. Today when Jesus is standing outside the door of the Pentecostal organizations, Baptist organizations, Methodist organizations, trying to get back in with Pentecost again. Oh, that just shut the door to too many. Amen. You know, you can come in, but don't come in bringing Pentecost. Don't come in with the, with the book of Acts. Come on now. Amen. Listen, what followed Jesus was the book of Acts. And when Jesus comes, the book of Acts follows. And you can't have Jesus in the church without a book of Acts. Amen. Everywhere Jesus went, there was noise, signs, wonders, healing, deliverance, salvation. 
I don't mean a little dried confession and get up and join the church. Amen. I'm talking about a breakthrough into the Holy Spirit to where lives are changed. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen. You know, they never throwed him out. They still sang about him and preached about him. They just never missed him in their presence. I wonder, I wonder around the world today, how many of those that call themselves under the name message have missed him? They hadn't recognized, oh, they're preaching about him and they're talking about him and they've got doctrinal issues and all of these things that they've made so much important until they hadn't even missed his presence ain't there no more. How do you know his presence ain't there? We, we had his presence, Brother Tim. He was there. He, he gathers there because we got the word. Let me tell you, the word is a person. And anywhere that a person is, a book of Acts follows. Amen. But we don't want his acts. We don't want his tongues. We don't want the Holy Ghost. We don't want the power of God. We don't want. And so they put him out. Let me just read what your prophet said. This is from the same sermon, Laodicean message. They were looking at the great organization they belonged to, trying to build it up, getting more members to come in, and they didn't miss him. No, no, they didn't miss speaking in tongues. I wonder if that couldn't be said around many message churches today. We don't miss that. We don't need that. We don't even want that. Why, why would you want to? I was asked that question. Why would you even want to? I said, why wouldn't you want to? We preach what Paul preached. Come on. He didn't forbid speaking in tongues. He said, I would that you all. Amen. They didn't miss speaking in tongues. They didn't miss the great powerful messages of God who cuts down to the heart and circumcises the heart and tears off the things of the world and chucks you down like a piece of corn. Whew. They didn't miss that. But you know, that's the, way, that's the way Jesus preached. That's the way Paul preached. Come on. He said, if you preach like that in their church, they'd oust you out. And that's the way the Holy Ghost preached. Jesus said, you generation of vipers, you snakes in the grass, and John did too. Great anointed men always tore the hide off of them. But they didn't miss him because they didn't have that. So they had a little more flowery something patting them on the back and said, you just join and put your name here and we'll put you in the, take you in the membership and go get your paper from the other church and we'll receive you. Your pledge will be how much each year? You see, that's it. Rich has need of nothing. But oh, you have need of the greatest thing and haven't got it. Jesus standing outside trying to get back in with Pentecost. I wonder, do we believe his message? He said, Jesus trying to get back in with Pentecost. I say, let him in. Amen. I say, let him in. Let him come in with Pentecost. Let 
to come in with such a baptism of the Holy Ghost that every man, woman, boy, girl are filled with the Spirit of God and under the influence of that. Oh, he said, what do you think would happen tonight in the Methodist church if the Holy Ghost fell upon the church and they began shouting, jumping, speaking in tongues and acting like a bunch of drunk people? Oh, why? The conference would throw that Methodist church out at the next conference. You know what? That, you know that. What would happen to the Baptist church if that happened? Same thing. Pentecostals. Why? That's the same thing. It's happened the same thing. Yes, sir, you wouldn't put up with that nonsense. They said, why? They've even spoiled our new carpets. Uh-huh, sure. What a miserable bunch they are. Well, let me just go on record. These carpets are, are made. They are for the purpose to be stained with tears. Amen. They, they are for the, this altar is for use. Amen. That's what it's for. Amen, so that all that are heavy laden can come and find rest. He was once with them. He walked in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. And here's the answer. Denominations and their worldly things, their bishops and cardinals, their worldliness had ousted him out and they never missed him. Now what are we going to do to get him back in? If he's outside the Pentecostal church now, what are we going to do to get him back in? Will it take a unanimous vote of the people to bring him back? <laughs> okay, everybody raise their hand. Who wants Jesus back? Can we all vote? All right. All right. Jesus is back. Amen. Well, uh, let's, let's take a vote if all the seven seals are open. How many believes all the seven seals are open? Raise your hand. Okay, well, church voted. We can now preach that. Glory to God. You know, all of these things, you, you, a unanimous vote will not bring it back. Will it take the election of a new pope or a new cardinal? Or maybe it'll take the rising of a new denomination. That'll never take it. That'll never do it. A new denomination won't do it. A new cardinal won't do it. A new pastor won't do it. A well-paid evangelist won't do it. There's nothing in the world can be done but you yourself. And how do we get him back in? Not by vote. No, we don't vote Jesus back in because he won't come in. But if any man will hear my voice and will open the door, amen, and we know what door is open, if any man will open the door, Hear my voice. Not of any church. Not of any denomination, organization. No, sir, he won't deal with them. They're dead and gone to begin with. He hates it. He's always hated it. He said he hates it and he hates it yet today. But if any man. That's where it comes right back down that you have this power to bring him right here in this church. Hallelujah. To keep him here. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. But if any Methodist man, any Baptist man, any Presbyterian, any Catholic, any Church of God man, Nazarene man, Pentecostal man, any man will hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and sup with him and he with me. That's the message to the Pentecostal church. That's the message. Not try to revive the Pentecostal organization, but to revive the Pentecostal blessing 
in the individual's heart. Amen. You know that. You know that. That's why that William Branham was rejected. Is because he did not bring. He he did not restore or bring a revival to the to the organizations and build up them. Are you with me? He come back and build up the altar of God like Elijah did, and the true worship again. And put those stones back in place again. Amen. That's the restoration. So what does the message to the church teach us then? Not a growth in the spirit. No, a decline of the spirit. And that's what we're seeing around the world today. A decline of the Holy Ghost. Oh, may it never be said about me. May it never be said about you. May it never be said about Evening Light Tabernacle. Amen. Are you dear folks from Shreveport? Let, let, may it never be said from, the, from that. Are you with me? Amen. It can't be said of that bride. Amen. Because she's going to defeat the enemy in this age. She's going to stand for truth in this age. She's going to be married to the bridegroom. That we have a decline all the time. And all you have to do, some of you old timers, you can look back on some of those systems that you came out of, and you can see how they declined. They've fallen. They keep getting colder, more indifferent. You know that. I mean, you go back, and it ain't what it used to be. Amen. Why? Because they, they lost more spirit. They lost the Holy Ghost. They lose the power of God. Amen. But if there's anything that we need to do is we need to realize we need him. Oh, we need him. We've got to have him in our lives. We've got to have him in our singing. We've got to have him in our worship. Amen. We've got to have him in our hearts more than anything in our hearts. Got to have him in our old people. Got to have him in our young people. Let me tell you, it ain't just young people that need Jesus. Amen. You old people need Jesus too. Amen. It ain't just young people that need the Holy Ghost. You old people need the Holy Ghost too. Amen. It ain't young people that just need only them that needs a fresh and up-to-date experience. It's every one of us need a fresh and up-to-date experience. There ought to be a cry out in our heart. Amen. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. <laughs> Brother Branham talked about the Jews. And he talked about, he used the scripture of the original olive tree from Romans, Romans chapter 11. He used the original, the, 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 the parallel that Paul put in there of the original olive, olive tree and how, how that was cut off and a new branch was grafted in. How many remembers that? Amen. And he said God did not spare the original olive tree but cut it off because of unbelief. And he said, what caused them to be cut off? Because they rejected Pentecost. Is that right? On the day of Pentecost, 
they made fun and blasphemed the Holy Ghost. And Jesus said when he was on the earth, they called him, <coughs> Belzebub said he was a devil. He's a fortune teller and whatever more. He said, I'll forgive you for that. But when the Holy Ghost has come, don't you speak a word against him. It'll never be forgiven. Amen. And remember, when Jesus commissioned his disciples, not, not to go to the Gentiles, but go to, rather to the lost sheep of Israel, but how did they condemn themselves? By blaspheming the Holy Ghost and calling the Spirit of God an unclean thing and made fun of him when they were dancing in the Spirit and so forth on the day of Pentecost. That caused that church, I'm talking about the Jews, to be rejected. Amen. Because they made fun by blaspheming the Holy Ghost when they were dancing in the Spirit and so forth on the day of Pentecost. Well, I wonder how many people around the messages sealed their doom. Making fun and blaspheming. Just calling it emotion. Amen, just calling it a sensation. Amen, making fun of the moving of the Spirit of God. Amen, if God didn't spare the original branch, you know he's going to cut off this grafted one. Amen, and he's going to cut off, he's going to cut off this Laodicean age and every one of the blasphemers will be left behind. Amen. Now, so we are here in the Laodicean age. Now notice in that Laodicean age, he speaks of the lukewarm condition. And we're going to key in now on that he spews them out of his mouth. Now, it's because they rejected him, he in turn rejects them from his mouth. In other words, they will no longer speak for God. Are you with me now? Now, I'd like to look at our scripture here that, that is a prophecy spoke of the last day. It's 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. And we're going to talk about the coming of the Lord because I believe that the coming of the Lord is not a 24-hour event or a moment and a twinkling eye event. Now, the change of our body is a moment and a twinkling of an eye. But the coming of the Lord is a process. Amen? So, so we got we to understand. The coming, the coming is a process. The change is instantaneous. When we see the loved ones, our loved ones appear that are dead in Christ and they appear to us, we are immediately changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. In other words, you know, we're not going to change over a 24-hour period or a three-week period or a six-week period. So, well, Brother Tim, I got the body changed. When did that happen? A year ago. Well, you're still gray. You know, I've had people actually, it's so spiritual. They come around and say, hey, you know, um, you know I, I've already received my body change. I said, well, let me shake your hand. You know, I'm a little disappointed in your body change. 
Too many sags and bags. Oh, did I say that? Too many of us still hags. Did I say that? But nevertheless, it's said. I just look at you and I can tell you need a change. Amen. I look at me in the mirror every day and say, Tim, you got to be changed. Amen. You got to be changed in a moment and a twinkling of an eye. But I can also look in that mirror and say, Tim, you're in one of the greatest events that has ever been in history. You are in the very hour, the day, the age of the coming of Jesus Christ. <laughs> For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now, we usually read that so fast that we think, it's, we think it just happens as quick as we said it. But right there is a process that happens over years. As he descends, as heaven opens, as he prepares, just like he did in his first coming. His first coming would be come with an angel coming, telling of Elijah coming. And then it would bring into that Elijah ministry who would identify and, and forerun the coming of Christ. And even the coming of Christ in that time was not something that happened in 24 hours. You know, he, he came. There was a growing up period. There was a time of his baptism, of his temptation. There was years of his ministry. And finally, there's his death, his burial, his resurrection and ascension. And that didn't happen in a moment twinkling of an eye. And neither does this coming happen in a moment and a twinkling of an eye. Now, notice he will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice and the archangel. So there are three things that he does, a shout, a voice, and a trump. Now, we know what's going to happen at the, at the trump. At the last trump, we will be changed. The dead in Christ rise at the last trump. So until, until the trump phase comes, the dead in Christ remain in the other dimension. Amen. It is the trump, that the trump, the voice of God that calls them out of the grave and us into to meet him in the air. <coughs> now, but again, we notice that he descends from heaven with a shout. And with a voice. Now, he, and, and I just want to say, we have already been privileged to receive and hear the shout. Now, and the shout is not just a noise. Amen. It isn't somebody, ah! that's not a shout. Amen. A shout is a message. It is saying something. Amen. Now that might be a hoot or a holler, but that ain't a shout. When you shout, you're saying something. You know, when my father-in-law was crossing over and going to be with Jesus, and I went to his bedside, and I said, because he was, he was, he was there hollering back to somebody on the other side, and I said to him, Papa, what are, you, what are you doing? I said, are you seeing the other dimension? He says, yeah. 
He said, don't you see them big white birds right behind you? And I looked around and I said, no, I don't, but I believe they're there. And he said, I said, well, who, who is hollering to you? Who is shouting to you? He said, well, it's my brother and sister, the two that believe the message. They, they, they're, call, they're, they're shouting to me. I said, well, what are they saying? You know, if they're saying, you know, if it's a shout, they're saying something. And they were saying, they were saying to him, come on over here. You see, they couldn't come to him, but he could go there. Hallelujah. And the shout that we've received in this day is not just a noise, it's a message. It said something. Hallelujah. What was it the message for? To turn our hearts back to faith again. Just as Elijah did by gathering Israel back to God, turning hearts back, putting the stones back in place in the old altar, rebuilding the old altar. Amen. Putting Bible doctrines back in place again. Putting the sacrifice, Calvary, where it belongs. Amen. Vindicating it all with a pillar of fire. All of that happens with an Elijah message. Now, I didn't make this up. Heaven declared this was the Elijah ministry. I done, been, I done been through it, but just for the sake of those that hadn't been here, just let me tell you again. But in 1933, 1933, how many years ago was that now? Somebody help me. 85 years ago, huh? There the, the angel of God came down on the Ohio River with a whipping fire. And a voice said, as John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Christ, you're sent with a message to forerun the second coming of Christ. The Pentecostals never haven't heard of this at all. When William Branham went into their meetings in 1946, that the angel commissioned him. And he goes in there. And he goes in there to, to, um, uh, to, to preach and to to minister the gift of divine healing, which was God stirring the heart. All right, turning it back to faith again, causing the people to believe. Amen. And he walks out on the platform, and a man stands up there on the platform, begins to speak in other tongues. And a cowboy-looking guy out there jumps up and begins to interpret, as John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Christ. This man is coming with a message to forerun the second coming of Jesus Christ. Again, that ain't just a story. It was written in history. Amen. Jack Moore and, and Gordon Lindsay wrote it. It's in the book of men sent from God that you can get at the library. Read it again. Then again, it would happen again in San Antonio, Texas and other places. Finally, Anna Schrader that year in, in Tulsa did the same thing. She stood up in the meeting and prophesied the same thing. P.L. Osborne would say, when I listened to William Branham in Portland, Oregon, I sat there and I watched the blind, eye come, blind eyes come open and crippled walk. And he said, he said that as, as it did, he said, 
there was a voice. I didn't hear it externally, but down in my soul, a voice rose up within me that said from within me, as John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Christ, you're sent with a message to forerun the second coming. And then, and I just want to say to you Pentecostals that are listening to me, and then you want to say that William Branham made himself Elijah. You know, they, they come down and say, so he, he had the sin of Dowie. You know, Dowie put on a long robe and grew a great big beard and called himself Elijah. Had the sin of Dowie and made himself Elijah. That was what they claimed. But I want you to know, God claimed through their own mouth. He was sending this man in the spirit and the power of, a, of John the Baptist, as John the Baptist. And how was John the Baptist? How did he go forth? In the spirit and the power of Elijah. To prepare the way of the Lord before him. To make ready a people for our God. That's what the shout was about. Amen. And I just want to say, we received that message to forerun his coming. It was a shout. It was an order. It was a command. It was a gathering, which is what I preached on Sunday a week ago. It was a message. And that's what happened in the first exodus. Amen. The same thing. If you notice, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. Will you tell me what happened in Exodus 3? Amen. The Lord himself came down. In a burning bush. And God spoke out of the pillar of fire. And God said, I'm sending you, Moses, to bring forth an exodus. And he goes with a message. And that message said, let my people go. And I'll tell you, friends, exactly that's what we saw in the message of even William Branham was an was a, was a ultimatum that was given to Satan. Let my people go. And those that were blind saw. And those that were deaf heard. Amen. And those that were crippled walked. Amen. Why? Because Satan had to let them go. But more than that, you that were in denominational bondage and under chains of sin. Amen. The ultimatum was given there too. Let my people go. And that's why you're here this morning. And it didn't happen in a day. And it didn't happen in a week. And it didn't happen in a month. But in a dispensation of time, time had reached its fullness for Israel to be down in Egypt. And time has reached its fullness for God's people, his bride, to be held in bondage end with man's creeds and dogma. That's why this message announces freedom. And I don't care where you're enslaved. The message is you're free. And the ultimatum is given to the spirit of bondage that holds you. Let it go. And here we are. Time has reached its fullness. For God's people, his bride, to be liberated. Unbelief can't hold you. Amen. Sin can't hold you. Amen. Eventually, the grave won't be able to hold them. 
Amen. And eventually, gravity won't be able to hold us. Hallelujah. One thing after another. Amen. Falls. As the ultimatum comes to Satan in this, this God of this evil age and says, let my people go. Amen. Until sickness has to go and sin has to go. Glory to God. Amen. Darkness has to go. Are you, are you with me? Nothing can hold you back. I tell you this morning, I don't care what condition you're in. There is nothing. There is no devil. There is no power that can hold you back. Amen. This is the spirit of freedom. One chain after another will fall. And if you got rid of one chain and you're still held, that one will fall too. Hallelujah. Lord of God, I don't know if I can even preach in English anymore. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me just tell you, the word of God moves on. You know, I was telling a young brother, reminded me of Darius. I was telling him, I was telling him, you know, a lot of times you people, you look for a certain experience. You know, Brother Branham wouldn't even tell publicly except one or two times about his own experience of receiving the Holy Ghost. He said, because I wouldn't, didn't want people to think that's the way they had to get it. He said, because when it come to him, he said, it was like ice pelting on my back. And, 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 he, and he said... You know, but it's not a certain feeling. Even if Bosworth had to say, you know, he, he come to realize he's kicked out the, the assembly of God because he realized and recognized that you cannot tie the baptism of the Holy Ghost down to just a singular experience. And he said, we've done wrong by making it tongues. Because he said, all don't speak with tongues. Then we go to preaching like that, and then we don't want no tongues. You know why? Because people can't keep a balance. If they ain't on this side, they're on that side. The devil can't throw you here, he throws you there. <clears throat> so, but you see, your experiences with God is not a, just a one-time event. This is a journey. So I got the Holy Ghost. Uh, and I've arrived, Brother Tim. No, you hadn't arrived. You just started on your journey. Amen. You're sealed into the day of your redemption. Amen. But you're still on that journey. Amen. So, so you see, it's not one experience we seek for. It's just a continual walk with God and blessings from God. 
You know, I, I, I honestly, in my own life, I can't point to just one singular experience. I've had multitudes of experiences. And I just want to tell you, church, wherever you are, don't be satisfied there. Don't get stuck there. Take another step. This is a walk. It's a journey. Go from adventure to adventure. Amen. So, well, Brother Tim, I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I question, I question. Well, just quit questioning and start believing. Amen. And take what you got and go get more of it. Hallelujah. If he's if he justified you, well, let him sanctify you. If he sanctified you, let him fill you. If he filled you, let him refill you. Oh, that there would be a refilling of the Holy Ghost right now in evening like tabernacle. That there would come a sound from heaven that would fill the house. Amen. The wind of the Holy Ghost come and blow out unbelief, blow out darkness, blow out confusion. We ought to be today a receptacle for the Holy Ghost since they poured out on me, God. Poured out on me, I hear you're still pouring out your spirit and you'll pour it out on all flesh. Here's my flesh. Pour it out on me, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. I always have a place I try to get to when I preach. Sometimes I don't get there. Because it's a journey. But we're in the second phase of the rapture. Let my scripture back up. We're in the second phase. To shout the message has sounded. And if this don't turn your heart back to faith, ain't nothing coming that will. And you can never be the voice unless you have heard the shout. Amen. Now, because he does all three of these things as he descends. Now, and, and, I, and I just want to say, we have moved into another phase. The message has been sounded. And the messenger is gone. His job is completed and is finished. Now, I know Jeffersonville don't like me to say that, but it's the truth anyhow. You cannot look upon this ministry of this prophet and not see that he was God's anointed. That's who he was. As God's anointed, he said to demons and sickness and even cripples and those on stretchers to the blind and the deaf. And he said, let my people go. And they were loosed. Even deaf had to be loosed. It was a message of restoration. Insomuch, God was not only, now listen, God's not only going to restore the soul of man in this day. 
but this, this coming also encompasses the restoring of the body itself. Now, let, 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 me just, let me just give you an example. There's a woman came in Brother Branham's, in Brother Branham's prayer line, and, and, and she was holding a handkerchief over her face like this as she come in. And, and so he, when she arrived there, finally got into the presence of the angel of the Lord, and she's here like this with this handkerchief held over her face. And he said, are you crying, sister? And she pulled it down, and there was no nose. It was all white, back, just bone, and whatever, all the way back to the skull, and cancer there. And she was dying, and it had all been nose and everything down to her lips and whatever, and they had been eaten away with cancer. Brother Bradham cursed that thing in the name of the Lord. And not only was she healed and the cancer died, but in three days, in just days later, the same woman comes back again with a new nose. Amen. She was restored. Her nose grew back. Hallelujah. We're living the days where missing limbs will come back again. Hallelujah. Amen. We already know in this age, it, eyeballs have been created. I read you last Sunday, a week ago, of Joe, Jack Coe's testimony of being in Brother Brandon's meeting and telling a, a, a man there, he said, you're blind. He said, but he, he said, um, eyeballs will grow in your head in three days. And he said, anybody could say that, you know, I mean. Anybody can make that up because you don't know what's going to happen three days later, you know. Jack Coe said, three days later, he met the man, and he said he was still blind, but now this man had eyeballs in his head. And he said, that evening around 7 o'clock, his eyes came open, and he began running around the building seeing Amen. We're talking about our God who is a restorer. If he can restore eyeballs, he can restore you. Amen. He can deliver you no matter what the situation is. As he would say to Sarah, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Sarah said, well, my, my womb is 90 years old for crying out loud and his body's dead. But is there anything? That's too hard for the Lord. That's what he's asking you today. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. I remember. I remember when the blindness of my wife's eyes came back open. When the Holy Spirit swept back into the room. I remember. Come on. I remember when a crippled child walked. Amen. With a deformed hip that was able to run around the building for his first steps at 18 months old. Amen. I remember just being in Germany just last year, and in the preaching of the word, a woman comes back with hearing aids in her hand, said, I don't need these anymore. Amen. Why? He's still Jehovah Jireh. He's still Jehovah Healer. He's still God. 
And he's here today to heal his people. He's here today to set his people free. Because if he was there in the south, he's got to be there, Christ in the voice. a message of restoration. Turn to prison houses of denomination. To those who were enslaved, as I said, let my people go. The message, just stick with me just a minute. But his message to women was one of freedom. It was not a bondage, it was freedom. We're living in the days well, women are calling themselves liberated. They're not liberated. They're in bondage. They've been bound down by demons that have pulled them out of, of the holy and lofty position of motherhood. Oh, yeah. Amen. Took them out of holiness and perverted them. Satan has taken women, has exploited them taking off their clothes, stripping them naked. Amen. Satan has taken the value of mothers and wives and homemakers, sent them out to work for, for him as policemen and firemen and doctors and lawyers. But this message liberates women. It features her character rather than exploiting her body. So that the vultures of the depravity of man can fawn over them. Right. Amen. See, I want you to know our, our women, God's daughters, are not sex toys. Right. They're not sex objects right. to be stripped down and used and then thrown away. Right. Amen. She's not a porn object to be stripped off and shown to every lustful eye. She's a virtuous woman. It's holiness unto the Lord. She's free to reflect Christ and his bride. She's not to reflect and mirror the horrors of Hollywood or the women of the night. She's to model the virtuous, sinless bride of Jesus Christ. She's a witness that there is a bride who is not naked like Laodicea, but is clothed in his righteousness. I went some time ago, and I stayed. Some friends of mine picked a motel. I didn't. They stayed at Dollywood. It was just a hotel, just like anything else. But anyway, it was supposed to be a resort. But Dolly Parton had uh, had it and funded it. And, you know, you stay there and then go to nice little horse shows and about Dollywood and whatever's up and around Pigeon Forge. So going around there, you know, they had big portraits of Dolly and in the lobby and different places, different things. And Dolly, Dolly said, 
Dolly said there, and, and this is public information, you can look it up, but Dolly said that she was a granddaughter of a Pentecostal preacher. And, and so she said, when she chose for her attire, because she said, I didn't have natural beauty, so she said, I, I saw a woman in our town who they called a tramp. And said she was a lady of the night. And said the way she dressed is the way I modeled my life. I took my hairstyle, my makeup, and I took the way I dressed in the tight clothes and, the, and everything else after this whore. And said it caused war with my Pentecostal grandpa who preached holiness. You know, because Pentecostals didn't let you do that. You see what Dollywood was? She was a, 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 she was a grandchild of Pentecost. She never had the experience. She had heard the preaching. She knew the teaching. But she herself had never had the experience of Pentecost. So there was never no change for Dolly. And so she chose to model after the whore of the town rather than the daughters of God because she wasn't nothing but a Pentecostal grandkid. And that's what's happening in the message today is a bunch of message grandkids that never had the experience with God themselves. So they are modeling the whores that Dolly and her team has influenced out there of how you're to dress and how you're to look, to look beautiful. Amen. To strip you off and sell your body out there for every lustful eye to look at. Amen. I'm still a holiness preacher. Amen. I still believe in Bible holiness, Bible righteousness, Bible Holy Ghost that changes the life. Amen. These, these message grandkids want to come and model after the whores. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, you know, all, all you are is a perverted woman just like Dolly Parton. You might be able to sing. You might have a beautiful body. But I'll tell you, you are nothing but for the beats of the sons of hell. But there is somebody who is not chosen to model the whore. But they have chosen to model the bride of Jesus Christ. And they are a masterpiece to the Lamb that is coming from heaven. Hallelujah. They have his nature. They have his life. They have his look. She's bone of his bone. She's flesh of his flesh. And she's life of his life. You are to model the virtuous, sinless bride of Jesus Christ. The shout is a loud and a clear message of his coming. He's coming. And he is healer, savior, restorer. But Christ is no longer here. Now listen to me. He is not here using a prophet's voice to shout out a message. Right. 
let me make it clear. That is no longer where he is speaking. That is where he spoke. And it's still his message. Amen. But there, there are no more sermons coming out of Jeffersonville or Tucson. The south phase of his coming has sounded. Amen. The south phase of his coming is finished. You say, oh, well, now, Brother Tim, his voice is still speaking. They play his tapes in Jeffersonville and elsewhere, all over around the world. I'm sure I play his tapes too. I listen to it all the time. Amen. But Peter and Paul's words are, are read too, and so their voice is heard from every church across the country. But there aren't no third Timothy's being written. Come on, Paul's message is finished. And Brother Brandon's message is finished sounding. There are no new sermons that are being preached. God uses the Bible to speak through. God uses the tapes to speak through. But that's not where God is currently speaking. Like, brother, like John the Baptist, Brother Branham was a forerunner. He was not the Messiah. He was not the Christ. And he was not the only member of the bride. He was a part of it, but he wasn't all of it. But he told us he was forerunning someone. As John the Baptist. Foran. That's what the angel said. He was forerunning. Come on, somebody. The second coming of Christ. Amen. Spoken words, original seed. He says, as the end time prophecies will repeat, I believe, as the first forerunner came from the wilderness and cried, behold, the Lamb of God, the second forerunner will probably do the same by pointing the people to a word-born bride. Amen. You know what John said when he, he saw the word-born Christ? He said, I must decrease and he must increase. Amen. Amen. Don't you understand, friends? The, the message has changed from the prophet to the prophecy. Amen. Because he was prophesying of a bride coming, that Christ would come here in a bride form. And that bride would be the final voice through the final age under her message. You say, well, Brother Tim... Brother Branham, didn't he bring the voice of God? Sure, the voice of God spoke through him, as it did Paul, as it did, as it did Peter. But that's not where he's speaking. That's where he spoke. Now he's going to speak in your place. Amen. Now, let me just say it. Brother Branham told us if the, the branch ever put forth, an, or, or the vine ever put forth another branch, it would write another book of Acts behind it. And I want to declare this is a book of Acts. And a book of Acts is not written by one man. Amen. It's not written by one man. It's written by a multi-member body. A worldwide body. Amen. He's to move in every church. 
He's the move in every ministry. Amen. Now let me bring it right close. The same pillar of fire that followed the children of Israel is following the Holy Ghost church tonight. Moses was just one of the prophets among the children of Israel. He wasn't the children of Israel. He was just one of them. The pillar of fire never followed Moses, although he said, I'll send my angel before him to keep thee in the way. But it wasn't just for Moses only. It was for all of Israel. Hallelujah. I'm preaching to a Holy Ghost church. Men and women who are filled with the Holy Ghost. The pillar of fire dwells on the inside of them. And because of that, they're writing another book of Acts. Hallelujah. You love him this morning? How great is our God? Amen. This is what he's doing. Amen. This is where he's working. Amen. I just want you to understand this is your hour. This is your time to shine. Amen. Let me, let me just sin. Let me just come, come down. Come down to just a, a few things here as we just close now. I'm just, I'm just winding this down. But let me just tell you. And we'll deal with it again. Because I want you to realize God still is speaking. He's got a bride on earth. I want you to understand. It was a bride who received the king's sword. So Brother Branham received the king's sword. No, the bride received the king's sword. You say, now, wait a minute, Brother. Okay, when Moses went up there and he got the tablets. Amen. And received the word of the Lord. Amen. Was that for just Moses? No, it was for the people of Israel. When when Moses got the the tablets, Israel got the tablets. When the pillar of fire was appearing to Moses, he was appearing to Israel. Amen. The seals were open to you. You're the church. It was open in. You're the bride. It was open in. Come on. It It wasn't a man getting it. It was a bride getting it. Hallelujah. There's been a sword placed in your hand. You're to be the final voice to the final age. You're to overcome with it. You're to rise up above sin with it. You're to cast out devils with it. You're to heal the sick with it. And whatever you freely receive, freely give. Now let me just let me just read one quote. In the message, look. God could have chose to preach the gospel by the sun, by the moon, by the stars, by the wind, or by nature. But he chose men to preach the gospel. And that's where the voice of God will come from. If you think for a minute, I'm denying God used that vessel and that voice. No, that was God's voice. That was God's message. But I want you to know today you are God's voice and you are God's message. You are written epistles read and none of all men. Amen. A people chosen, set aside, and ordained for this generation. And he chose you. He chose you, little sister, to preach the gospel. 
because some of them will that'll hear a sermon in your school that I'll never show up to preach in. But you'll preach it. You're the one with the message. You're not running without a message. You are running with a message. And you can bring a message. Hallelujah. That there's a bride on earth. There's a groom that's coming. Amen. There's a rapture laying ahead. Amen. There's a promise that even the dead in Christ shall rise. How do I know? Because I was once dead in sins and trespasses. And now I'm alive. And I have the keys of death and of hell. Do you love him this morning? Let's stand together and worship him now. Praise the Lord, the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. This is no personality cult. Amen. When we're screaming and crying over personality, amen, this is where we come to worship Jesus Christ, to make him welcome. Say, welcome, Holy Spirit. Here we welcome thee. Remember when we sing that song? It's just an oldie, but it's a goodie. Welcome, welcome, Holy Ghost. I want you to just invite him to your pew. You'd invite him to where you are. You can invite him as an individual. You can make him welcome. You can wash his feet. You can give him praise and sing him. You ask him to come in power, Lord. Come in power in my life, in my heart. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Hey. 
Awesome, man. 
champion of champions, the all-time undisputed, undefeated champion of love, champion of healing, champion of grace. Oh, glory to God, champion of power, the power to live right, the power to walk right, the power to talk right. Oh, what a champion we have this morning, our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's just sing that song together. I will praise the Lord. Amen. Oh, I will praise. Yes, I, I will praise the Lord. No matter what tomorrow. Lift your hands and sing it one more time. I will praise the Lord. Yes, I. Jesus' name, I just want to say thanks. 